I think in general, when people pay multi-month severances, they're thinking it's going to take about twice as much to get that back. So, hey, if they're going to, so that kind of means, so they think five months from now, it's not going to be much better. Or they would have just kept everybody going and not paid them so much of a severance. So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui and my co-host Paul Morris. We are here for State of the Market number 47. It is, we're entering our second week of May and man, there is a ton of real estate news to talk about. So Paul, say hi, where are you, where are you calling in from today? Same, same lockdown in uh, Santa Monica. I know that, that it could be worse for sure, but if you talk to my 16-year-old daughter, she would tell you differently that it could not be worse. Uh, yes. Stuck in the house with me. <laughs> yeah. the kid, the, my kids, especially, they're like, we are so bored. You know, out in Texas, we're getting to go do a little bit more stuff. You know, we got to go like swimming in in, in some creeks this week. You know, they started to open restaurants. The uh, you know, we went to a furniture store and and just even those little pieces of normalcy. But they're still like, so when do we get to go hang out with our friends? Oh, like yeah. yeah, they're they're learning technology stuff like crazy, and thank God for technology. I I just have to say that before we get into the news part, when it comes to kids, like it used to be like, oh, kids texting and having phones could be so dangerous, but right now the uh, that, they're like they get to connect. If they didn't have this to connect with their friends, I think they would be feeling so much more lost than they are right now. Yeah, we need it, and and it's caused me to do uh, you know, lots of lots of my good friends, you know, where you are here really love the outdoors. And I, I just didn't have the same appreciation as others naturally. I like it, but I just don't get a chance to do as much. And, and uh, this week I went up to a giant poppy field, uh, which was absolutely amazing. Walked out into the poppy fields with my girlfriend, you know, social distancing from everyone. The place was closed, but we kind of went around, which is very typical. And then last night I went with my daughter uh, late at night to the beach. The beaches have been closed, but they just couldn't keep everybody off the beach because there were luminescent tides. Yeah, I saw some pictures of that stuff, like bright blue, like glow in the dark, right? Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Like I, 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 When I saw the picture, it was one of those things that you couldn't believe it was really, it was the real deal, but it was super cool. Dude, that is so awesome that you went out at, at night to do that. You know, these being able to go like enjoy the world and go see it. I was talking to somebody today and I said, you know, when we can, when we can get out of crisis mode, there's also a moment to appreciate like that we are taking, we are watching history in the making. Like I, am a history buff. I like studying history. I like studying big events. And then it's like looking around and realizing like, no, we are in a historic moment, you know? And so being able to just like look around to see how are people acting? Who's doing what, what is important now? All, all that stuff, but the luminescent stuff, that is, I am definitely missing, wishing I was out there in California. I saw somebody with a video of like seeing dolphins at night and they were glowing in the water and I was like, wow, that is cool. So I'm glad you got to go see that, man. That's good. And I'll send you you a photo and if you can figure out how to post it later in the post, that'd be great. And if not, I get that too. Uh, But it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy. That's for sure. 
So, so real estate news. So it is May, you know, and so we are, I don't know what our count is. We should start a running ticker of the count, like day 45, day 50 uh -huh. of lockdown, whatever it is. But, you know, we had uh, a really quick, I was going to say, so in April, nearly all of our tenants paid rent and the, and it was a big scare at the beginning of the month. And now, and then near the end there as well, now we got to see May, will everyone continue to pay rent? And so far it, you know, we're recording this on the seventh day of the month. And the and ninety percent of our tenants have already issued and started their their May payment, and so I'm going to say for our average single family rental, so far so good. You know, uh -huh. people are are doing okay, and that's kind of my my fun personal good news I get to share today. Mm -hmm. um, but let's start getting into some of the headlines. So there's kind of there's a few kind of good news pieces out there that mostly Inman has posted, and there's a few articles I wanted to bring up. And then see how you felt about them. And then there's also, I think you've got some statistics in, in those slides that you sent over that we can look at. So just a, a few, you know, kind of positive news things. Uh, first one says, Open Door returns to home buying with contact-free selling. And so Open Door is a company out there that you could go onto their website, say, make me an offer. They would make the people an offer and they would buy the house direct. Mm -hmm. And then after the people move out, they would fix it and sell it themselves. They're essentially a big house flipper that was heavily funded. As soon as coronavirus started, they stopped buying, and so the, but they aren't redoing everywhere. They did a bunch of layoffs after the coronavirus stuff started, but now it says the company is returning to Phoenix on May 4th and Raleigh-Durham May 11th with two new platforms and updating its self-touring app for buyers. So that's not saying everywhere. So they're being very careful. They said, hey, we're going to go start investing in, in Phoenix again. They're going to go start investing in North Carolina again. They aren't starting again in Austin. Austin was one of their first places or biggest places where their office was located. They're not doing that here. But that to me is is you know a good news item. Before we jump into the other ones, what do you, what do you think about that? You know, it's, I think I, I wasn't sure if the the buy buyers were dead for a while. Uh huh. Well, one of the things that 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 you know they were sort of talking about, like, oh, you know, we're going to do a platform that will work during COVID, and and that's the least interesting part of the news. That you you tapped right into the most interesting part, and that is that you know right now I still think that. Uh, that buying is easy, right? So if you have money, you can go out and buy. Yeah. What do you do? How do you predict how you're going to be able to sell? So when when people are buying homes for themselves, you know, it's it is an it's a truism. It's an easy statement. It's an easy fix to say like, okay, look, we're getting you a deal here. You can get this, you know, fifteen or twenty percent less than it was on the market for. Uh, you know, just a month or so ago. And this is how I would advise a, a, a buyer. Mm -hmm. um, and they go, okay, well, when I get in it, you know, do you think the price is going to drop or not? And my answer to that would be, well, we don't know. So if I, my best guess is, you know, probably it will drop some more because you can never catch the bottom of a market. Okay. Smart yeah. investors and smart buyers, you know, they don't buy at the top of the market. On the other hand, they're not waiting to the very bottom. So, you know, you can get a significant, you look at the house and you can get a significant uh, uh, cost reduction on it. Because you're not flipping it, we don't need to know the answer of where it's going to be six months from now. We really need to know the answer of where's it going to be five or six years from now. And I'm pretty bullish on that. And I can safely say that to a buyer. Hey, this is a, this is a property that you're gonna be using for your family. Uh, buy now at a bit of a discount. Could you have saved more? Maybe. Will the house sell to somebody else? Maybe. Will the market bounce back like a lot of people say? And then this opportunity is gone? Maybe. We don't know, but here's the opportunity now. Take it 
and you're going to be in it five or six years. I could give that sort of advice to a loved one, not feel bad about it at all. When you talk about uh, open door or, or people that are actually going to flip the houses, now, now I have a different view on it. And that's, okay, we can get some good deals right now, but we don't know what it's going to be 30 days from now. Yeah. So that is scarier. And I think it's very interesting that the big companies are willing to come back in. And, and, and I think it's good news that they're willing to come back in even with a toe in the water and do some buying. I think, you know, I think the best news of it is for, for home sellers in Phoenix and home sellers in Raleigh-Durham, the, what they're seeing, Open Door has a lot of money. They are a heavily invested, you know, well-capitalized company, and they have been studying stuff like crazy. Uh-huh. And so they're saying, hey, we, they feel safe enough to enter those markets, which means they, don't, they, they must think that, hey, you know, they could buy at a price now that they're going to be safe to sell 90 days from now. Whether that means they're buying at 70 cents on the dollar instead of 80, who knows that part. But yes, right. they are willing to right. enter a market as a flipper. That's a big, big change. You know, uh, similar news, you know, is this was another one in Inman. The Zillow Economist says housing market bottom is pretty much now. So when you're talking, yeah, are you going to own this house five years from now? That's just, This is the story people want to hear. Pandemic drove real estate sales down, but a checkmark type recovery may already be beginning. So this wow. came out two days ago, May 5th. So the top Zillow Economist said Tuesday that the coronavirus pandemic has led to a drop in sales, but the market already appears to be hitting the bottom and will, will likely recover going forward. Pending sales do seem to confirm the magnitude of the fall, you know, drop off in sales between 50 and 60%. And now the, the bottom is pretty much now. And so you know, there's a lot of things about that feeling. Just like you said, we can't really time the bottom. So bottom meaning now could mean we're within three months of it. It could mean we're in six months of it. I think that they're, that's really that economist saying, hey, they don't expect it to be you know, down 20% a year from now or down 20% two years from now because some crisis lasts multiple years. Prices go down for multiple years. That's what we saw in 2007. So the, you know, so what do you, what, I guess that's, that's similar statistics to what you've been feeling and seeing inside your network, right? Like, right I, absolutely. What, what um, do you see now in LA? So, and I did, you know, I did some research, of course, uh, prior to getting on this and and one of the ways that I research is just reach out to reach out to the offices, 15 offices uh, that I have ownership in, and the 36 that I that I oversee. And you're looking at you know a, a, a group together that was number one in the LAMLS. So it's a pretty good sense of what's going on here. And then I reached out to Fidelity Title, which is a big title company here. To, to see what they were doing, what their activity was doing. And it was very, uh, very, very similar. And that is that when, when the, when the, right when the crisis began, we saw up, up to, in terms of down, a, a 75% drop on year-over-year business. We're now recovering to the point, and, and you know, this, we're in a selling season. So February over February is going to be different numbers than March over March because March is higher right? April is higher. So April over April, we're looking at now looking at only down 40%, right? Instead of at the beginning of this, when we were down 75%. So it looks like it's getting a very healthy, a very healthy indicator that we're, that we're coming out of this. Now I talked directly to the LA assessor, uh, the largest assessor's office in the United States. And he said, he's keeping track very carefully of it. And he said that, that he is that they're they're down 61 percent in april over april transactions that's a massive number but it only makes sense because you know in la we're you know the mayor said you can't show houses 
Now, in our particular group, maybe they're a little more nimble than than average, uh, but we're we're getting uh, we're we're seeing more, you know, somewhat unscientific because I'm going office by office, but somewhere between fifty and twenty five, twenty five to fifty percent down. Now, some of that could be closings coming through the pipeline, but we really are seeing an uptick uh, for sure. So that down twenty five to fifty percent. That's that's you're asking your office like how many transactions you do in April. And they were saying, hey, we're doing, we did half as many as last year in April or 25% right. less than last year in April. That's so right. that's compounding number of transactions as you get to call them over there. And so, but the other good point of that is, yeah, it's like, duh, right? So people were inside. So we've been saying this all along, transactions are still happening, but there's less. So you need to up your game. You need to do a better job. You need to go uh -huh. through that. The true California statistics that, to, to, that people should be watching or the Texas statistics people should be watching will be those closings in May and June. Right, the which because that that is when people are there's a lot. I saw an I saw like a a clip that showed based on like cell phone traffic last Sunday's traffic in Texas was like ninety percent of what it was uh, before pre COVID, right? Like that many people were out driving. Like so, as people start to do that stuff again, now we're going to really be able to see what their buying habits were because some people they were on lockdown, you know, for shelter in place, and they weren't had no interest in looking at houses trying to do it. Now they're going to be looking again. That's what we're really most interested in. Not necessarily how many people got in escrow during the beginning of the crisis. Now that we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, what are people's actions now? I was going to share. Oh, go ahead. It is some of the value that we're, that we're really looking to add is that these statistics, uh, you know, statisticians, people that print the news are really more interested in the clickbait uh, of it and not like, oh, well, how's that affecting realtors? One of the weird things is, uh, you know, you're going to see skewed numbers that don't really show really what's going on because of this. As we all know, as real estate professionals, that that the activities that we do now uh, are going to generate what looks like business 30, 60, 90 days from now. So, you know, on on the first 15 days of lockdown, let's just say no business was generated in the first 15 days of yeah. lockdown. Now, when we go, oh, what, are the, what are the closings and what are the statistics show? Well, it might be as high or higher than ever because that first 15 days when we're doing nothing, the, the transactions are coming from 30, 60, 90 days ago when everything was fine. Now, when we get out in May and June, we might really be humming, okay? And you might see a dive in the statistics because now is coming to bear those 15 days when we did nothing. So, it's, it's it, you know, people have to understand the difference between leading indicators and lagging indicators. And, and, and that is a product of the activity that's done, you know, closings are the product of the activity that's done 30, 60, 90 days before. Yeah, that agents, I mean, those leading indicators, that's the stuff you can be looking at your market right now and showing your buyers and your sellers how many houses went pending last week, right, mm -hmm. in your area compared to a month ago. Pending is that leading indicator. That was a lesson we learned in the home building days back in 2007, that we learned you know, harshly because for a long, we had all these contracts where people had gotten a contract to buy the house and then it was a four month construction. So we kept having revenue, we kept having revenue, we kept having revenue and then all of a sudden our revenue dropped off and we really hadn't had a, we hadn't had a new sale in four months, right? So, you're, so wow. the, the statistics that we were operating off of was like, oh, we're still okay, we're still okay right. and then you start to forecast. So yes, those leading indicators right now are gonna be some of the most important things people can look at. And I'll tell you, because another thing that we're always aiming to do is, is give really usable information. And sometimes state of the market 
it's really our job to take the take the information that's out there and make it usable to our realtor audience, which is right. of vital importance to us. One of the things that would never show up in the statistics or the news that I'm finding is that the top realtors are, for example, doing more business than ever, okay? Mm-hmm. And then the sort of mid-level or lower-level realtors are getting totally shut out. So maybe that maybe that 50% of the business that we're having is coming very concentrated in the top realtors. For example, you know, I talked to a good friend of mine who's number one in some of the biggest areas near the beach where I am in LA. And she said like, oh, she barely has time to talk to me because her phone's ringing. Not with, hey, we want to list our house, come and interview along with two or three. We want you to sit with two or three others and interview. And she thinks, well, I'll get that anyway. Instead, she's getting the come to my, come and list. We're not interviewing anybody. Just come straight over here. So, so the question is, what do you're not number one in your area? What do you do, and how do you get yourself uh, to the table ahead of these people that are just getting the calls now? And the answer is, I'll tell you, the answer absolutely is, don't sit and do nothing. And the answer is, get really active on your on your sphere of influence. And if you're if you're texting them saying, hey. Uh, let's say I'm the number four realtor in Santa Monica. I may not even get the call when that person's ready to list their house. They're going to call the top two realtors. I'm number four in, in normal times. Okay. Now they're not calling number one and number two. They're just calling number one and saying, come list me. My advice to the number four realtor is, is send those, you know, send those emails, you know, the eye care messages that I talk about almost every week. Uh, you know, out to your database, your sphere, anybody you can. Hey, it's Paul Morris. You know, I, I, I know you because I'm a realtor in Santa Monica. Just checking in on you and your family. Let me know if there's anything I can do. You know, these, this too shall pass. And when you get an answer back, then you send your informational uh, text message back to them. So it's not just a commercial upfront. That's the formula that I use. And if you're doing that, I believe when it comes time when they're like, geez, you know, we really, we're really, we were thinking about selling before, but now we're scared. We really want to sell, or maybe we shouldn't. Let's call Paul. And I think that that can really, now is a time where uh, activity, which generally, anytime, any, during any market, some activity, you have to have some activity that brings you a return on your activity. Right now, when almost no one is doing anything, you can get 10 times the, the return on your activity. You just have to make sure you're doing it. You just have to reach out. The you know, and I bet I bet that thing that you're seeing out in California would be the same in, throughout the country right now. People don't have time to interview three or four agents anymore. The Absolutely. I think the odds of the odds of nailing the deal at that first conversation are probably much higher than they used to be if someone does want to sell because they don't want to go meet with a bunch of people and go through it. They kind of want to start now. Like let's not wait a week or two uh, and and make that happen. So being able to. Yeah, be top of mind for your sphere. If you're top of mind and you're the first call. And it also came from, uh, you know, I I said I talked to, you know, my neighborhood realtor, but I also was talking to uh, Mike McCann, who's the number one realtor in Philly. Uh, He'd be a great guy to to, uh, interview on the podcast. We'll get him. Actually, you know, because we have a queue of people, right? So if we interview somebody, you know, they go down in the queue, maybe we'll get an interview of Mike and put him right to the head of the queue because he's a guy that's doing a lot of business. Yes, he is getting the like, oh my gosh, let's just call Mike because he's number one. But he's also, he and his team are very active. So it would be a great interview for us. And also one of the top realtors in Atlanta. So we're talking to people all around the country. And and the the this is what happens, by the way, okay? If you haven't been in real estate that long, uh, 
This is what happens. And, and the top, top realtors, when the market gets really great, everybody wants a great market, okay? When the market gets really great, the top realtors, if you talk to them, you know, they complain. They're like, oh, you know, I would have been surely the listing agent for that house. I've sold their last three houses. But now the market's so frothy that, you know, uh, Susie's, um, you know, aunt is now uh, a realtor. She just right. got her license. So the only way I can really get this thing is to co-list with this brand new agent and split the commission. You know, it starts getting like that. But when times get tough, um, you know, those people drop out of it. So if you're a realtor, you've been in the game five, six years and you're seasoned, you know, this COVID thing's not going to knock you out of the market. You're very likely to come out much stronger. But the key is to survive and survive now and stay in touch. Survive, stabilize, and then thrive. Yeah. And that top of mind, the, it is a great point. The, uh, there, there is less competition right now. So whether you're already at the top or whether you're at you know, number five or number 10 trying to get to the top, there is less com- there's less competition, less people doing stuff. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. And as you know, when you've been hearing these episodes, so many of our guests give us lots of free gifts and share the tools they've been using to become successful. We've got free real estate tools, scripts, ebooks, marketing materials, and more. We keep track of everything in our vault, and it's updated with new items each and every week. If you want access to that stuff, it's totally free for being a listener. All you have to do is go to agentsuccesstoolbox.com, agentsuccesstoolbox.com, and get your free gifts now. So let's, so there's a, a few more kind of good news, you know, news and slides before we get into the rough news. I'm actually going to share my screen. So for you guys that are watching us on YouTube, uh, you should be able to see that. So, uh, Paul, do you see that, the chart? So this was, this was a, a kind of a set of slides you got. So it, it starts with saying you save when buying late, buying while rates are low. And so right. this was a, a presentation that was given that talked about why the real estate market is great right now. So this is a, uh, a mortgage, it's comparing a mortgage in December at 4% to the interest rates today of 3.23%. So to talk us through this and what you thought about, you know, kind of this like, because you're talking about interest rates all the time, and this is some real statistics on a 30-year mortgage. Right. And one of the comments we got, I really appreciate when people send us comments, uh, keep doing it because we learn uh, and our, our job is to serve you. And, and one of the things when I was talking about all these stats is, is you get a comment from somebody that said, more than one actually that said, hey, if you could put some of those stats into slides that we could then use. And so then Aaron and I spoke offline about it. Um, We won't do it every state of the market, uh, but when we have slides that are usable that you can use to show to buyers and put in your listing presentations, we're going to do that. Uh, Making our news, right, our news into something that you could actually use as a touch to your client base, that will be a huge value add. This particular slide was generated by somebody else. It's, It's not what Aaron and I will create for you, but it does give you an idea. And basically it's like, you know, uh, like Aaron said in the fair, in the fair credit, I'd say it for me, Aaron. The- yeah. So the, so it says based on a 30 year amortization table for, from, from bank rate, it says $200,000 mortgage, the 30 year mortgage right. rate, the, you know, Freddie Mac weekly interest rate. So December, 2019 was 4.01%. This is when right. for a $200,000 mortgage. Today, it's at 3.23%. And the table we showed is, hey, so on rates just from December, 
you'd be paying 144,000 interest over 30 years. But then today, you'd be paying 112,000 interest over 30 years. So it's, a, it's essentially saving $30,000 over the life of the home. But, right. but I don't think that's the best. I don't think that's the most important part with interest rates. Yeah. Do you? Like what? No, like no, there's no, there's no, more the to the interest rate story. The thing I was trying to get you to tell me was the fair credit, the the sheet that they send you, and I just the, the name. Oh of yeah, that. the uh, the the estimate, the good faith estimate. Good faith estimate. Okay, yeah, yes. yeah. Sorry, everybody, everybody on the on the podcast uh, knew that, but me, but thanks, flipped my mind. Uh, yeah. So the good faith estimate, and this is this is stats that would come off a good faith estimate, and it's also uh, why you know I don't find it all that useful. Uh, statistics that are very useful. Uh, and we'll put this into a chart. It just comes right out of my brain. Is 1986 was the peak, and it was 18.6 percent uh, uh, was the high. Uh, November of of 2012, I think, was the now 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 I know we need it in a now I know we need it in a uh, in a uh, in a chart. But we we have have gone past the low point, which was 3.1. And now we're at 3.2. And this may creep up a little bit, but all the experts are telling us that it's going to, again, go back down. Now, the key and, and, and one of the things that Aaron and I were talking about is putting a slide together for you guys to put in a listing presentation or to take to your buyers is this is how much house a certain payment could buy you today versus three or four months ago. That's a that that's a very usable statistic. So in other words, okay, um, you know, forget the third. Nobody nobody really cares. Oh, 30 years from now, I will have saved 30 grand. But you know, instead of that uh, two bedroom, one bathroom house that we were going to shoehorn our family into in December, if we go right now, you know, we can get a three bedroom, two bathroom house in the same neighborhood because we have that much more buying power at. A lower in at a lower interest rate, so that's something that's going to be very, very useful. Because okay, as we were talking about before, when you're buying a home for your family, it's really about living in it statistically, right? Depending on where you are for about the next ten years. So the difference between a two-one, okay, and living in a three-two, three-bedroom, two-bath is a massive difference for you, and you can you can capture that right now. We don't know. We don't have a crystal ball of where things are going. And they could go down. If I'm talking to a buyer, they could go down uh, a bit more. It's not going to go down forever. Housing is, is stable. So we can't pick the bottom of the market. But I can tell you that this is how much more buying power you can have. This is what you can get. And that's a very valuable piece of information to give the buyers. Yeah, it's, that is the biggest thing with with with, uh, with mortgage rates and interest rates right now. So that that means if it's if we're down, you know, 0.75% since December, so your $2,000 monthly payment, you know, if it could buy you a $300,000 house before, now it can buy you a $350,000 house. Right. Combine that with the idea that prices are I'm going to say they're going to be 10% less than they were. I'm going to say maybe right now we're around a 10% discount from where they were pre-COVID, which isn't a huge. So now your buyers, it's like, hey, if they're going to buy now, they're not only going to, yeah, a year ago, they could have got a two-bedroom house. Now they can get such, so much bigger house for the same monthly payment because that's what most buyers care about. How much is their monthly payment? They aren't really thinking about what's the price of the house. They'll, they'll buy the biggest house they can afford. Everybody will buy the biggest house they can afford. So what house can they afford? They can afford more than they used to be able to. And, and now I'll give you, uh, we talked about the buyers. We talked about the buyer script. I'll give you a seller script. And these scripts are not, uh, they're not trickster scripts. This scripts that come from authenticity from the heart. Otherwise, I, I won't use them. And what Aaron just said was, let's just say that right now, uh, the market is off about 10%. Uh, 
Um, if you're in a home right now and you were thinking about selling, okay, and you had reasons to sell, like, oh, you know, my kids moved away to college. I'm really thinking about downsizing. Geez, let me talk to my realtor. Oh, didn't get around to it. Now it's COVID. Now my house is worth less. Okay, what do I do? And what Aaron said was, in his example, is, well, maybe the housing prices are off 10% now. Depending on, on where this thing goes, it might be the right time to sell right now in a house that's priced right, that sells right away, okay, and you take 10% less. That being said, most people have more equity in their homes than they ever have before, and it's a good time to harvest that equity and essentially sit on some cash. So I'm... I'm and I'm living and breathing that because at the same time that I'm in a, inside of an escrow buying a piece of property, which, I'm going, which I got no discount on, I entered it before COVID. It was such a good deal. The seller just said, no, nope, no discount. I tried and I'm going to close anyway. Okay. So that's on the buy side. Now on the sell side, I was getting ready to sell my house in Palm Springs. I've decided to lower the price 10% and put it on the market anyway, because I'm just looking at my balance sheet. I'm going, you know, it was costing me this much a month. I wasn't using it that much. I have equity in it. A 10% haircut is going to still cut my expenses and still leave me with cash. And I don't know, my, my analysis of it is this. If you're going to hold for the next five years, five or six years, just like a buyer would right now, I would say, go ahead and buy. Or in my case, hold on to that Palm Springs house. If I was going to hold on to it for six years, I'd hold on to it. I wouldn't sell now. If yeah. I'm thinking about like, hey, I should sell, you know, should I sell now or two months from now? I don't know what two months from now looks like. I would go ahead out and sell it right now. And that's what I'm doing. I put that house on the market last week. Yeah, there will be buyers and sellers and you want to be ahead of it, right? We do, we do know that when the doors open, there'll be a bunch of people trying to come back out. We don't know how long that's going to last. So if you're ready and you're listed, I did some quick calculations, the comparing those two rates to so get some exact stuff for our listeners out there. So uh, for a mortgage at 1,720 bucks a month, you know, at, at 4%, you could have bought a $360,000 house in December. So if somebody's willing to pay 1,700 bucks a month, they could have bought a $360,000 house. Uh, interest rates now being 0.8% lower, the, that same seventeen twenty now they can buy a four hundred thousand dollar house so they're getting a house that's forty thousand dollars more the just because of interest rates now if you combine that with a market correction out there hey you're already getting it that means that if you could have bought a three hundred sixty thousand dollar house in December that same person can buy a house that would have been four forty back then right? That's right and that's the big change of so that so I agree with that slide I agree with that good news out there getting some interest rates on there. There's a bunch of you know good news, bad news out there that offsets, but as far as interest rates specifically, the buyers that are left, you know, they, they have to be more well-qualified than were before. They can afford more house, period. So that is, that is actionable. The, there's another slide on here that you, that you got over there that it says major financial institutions are calling for a V-shaped recovery. So the, what, um, how do you feel about that slide? Well, you know, that's why I'm glad that this slide is backed by Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo, because I'm not sure, to be honest. These are the big boys, uh, and they're the ones doing the hardcore analysis. Um, and it's very interesting to note that these four giant institutions are really uh, expecting a V-shaped recovery. To be clear, uh, I think most of us know what that is, right? You know, V-shape is a, is a you know, a sort of precipitous fall, you hit a point at the bottom, and then you do a strong climb out. 
the something very opposite of that was what happened to us in 2008. And what happened in 2008 was we had the precipitous fall and then we had the drag along the bottom for a long time. And that's an L curve. That's what we don't want. But nobody is saying that that's what this is going to be. They're looking at a V-shaped recovery. I've now heard some people talk about a W because, you know, as we're reopening, maybe we get a resurgence of COVID and maybe we take another, you know, reclose, reopen. We've seen that in other countries. So that would be a W. But even that W, I think, is an upshaped W, if that makes any sense. You know, we've got a strong dip. We'll get a strong recovery. Then we'll have a smaller dip followed by a smaller recovery, which at the end of the day kind of looks like a, a, uh, uh, a V-shape. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, and it is really saying, so right now people are taking losses. You know, people are making less money. Companies are making less money. Companies are closed. So that's like, hey, so for, for the second quarter, from March through June, they're saying, hey, companies are taking a loss. But as soon as everyone gets to go back out, they're, they're projecting they're going to start to have gains. Now, some of these companies, so Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, in this chart that we're looking at, it's saying like by quarter three. So that could mean that they even believe that by end of June, they're going to start to be, you know, see upticks, you know, you know gain in income, uh, you know, for it's, for it's their GDP, what they're looking at. Now, Wells Fargo says, hey, they're not going to see a gain in income until late in quarter four. The way you look at this chart, but you got three out of four saying, "Hey, by the end of end of the third quarter, we're going to be looking pretty good." Uh, or anyway, as we're approaching the third quarter, they're going to be looking pretty good. And then near the end, so yes, you've got big people saying that. We've heard a lot about will there be a V? Will there not be a V? And you know that depends on as people you know, are are cashing into their houses and going into their accounts and everything else. You know what what brings us back out? States will recover at different speeds too, so that could also impact like a V slash a W slash whatever for companies that 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 operate nationwide. You know the ones that operate in Texas might you know their, their Texas balance sheet's going to be different than their California one because their Texas going to be back to business this week. And this was is there a great slide in this one you wanted to talk about? Yeah, well, there's this is a great slide that. You know, when Aaron and I were talking before about leaving some resources for our uh, state of the market, and one thing that we really that we're really uh, encouraged by is we've we've had, you know, normally you know state of the market is like uh, you know a lot of people download it and listen to it, but you know when we get our top realtors on talking, you know, you get a skyrocket for those, and we've really been finding a skyrocket uh, from state of the market, and we really really appreciate that support. And to further that support, as Aaron and I were talking about offline, is, is adding some of these charts. This is a chart that I think that every realtor should have at their fingertips because it comes from uh, independent sources. I like, the, I like the fact that it doesn't come from National Association of Realtors. It doesn't come from the mortgage lending, you know, people that want you to believe that the skies are blue, even if they're not. And the other thing about this chart, I know Aaron said it already, but this is, um, this is a prediction of GDP. So this is the entire economy. So the, you know, these, the big guys think that by quarter four, the entire economy will be back to normal, which is pretty, pretty astounding. I believe that real estate could well lead the way out of that. So uh, nine out of 10 recessions, uh, there was a precipitous drop in real estate prices prior to the recession. Not the case this time. Real estate was very healthy before. I have reason to believe that real estate could lead us out of it and could be ahead of GDP for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I believe that a lot of people are going to be cashing out. I don't, I think a lot of people are going to be selling their houses 
And I think as they're going to be selling those houses, they're going to be cashing out some of that equity and they're going to use that to make up for the right. income loss. You know, right. A few more slides I want to jump in before we go to kind of the rest of the state of the market news. So the this is an interesting slide that just says real estate showings. A lot of this is kind of like a, a, a dub, but it was it's really just showing like, you know, from January to like March 3rd, there were more and more people showing houses every month in North America. Right. So right. the, so every, every week by week, more people were out looking at houses. Of course, we're going into our spring season. March was supposed to be even more. And then it dropped down dramatically in March. But the, but then by April, it, you know, April show, the number of showings kind of bottomed in April. And since then, there's been more people showing houses and looking at houses every, every week since. And so there's a little, you know, in general, there's a little dip uh, the week of April 25th. So there's more people showing houses on a weekly basis by next month. We'll probably see it, you know, normalize if it's following that chart. Yeah. Yep. And then it, the, and you guys are probably seeing the same stuff out in California, I guess in California, are you allowed to do showings yet? It's, uh, it is, it's, it's something, first of all, it, believe it or not, it varies from city to city. So, oh, that's right, yeah. uh, you know, in certain areas and, 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 and it varies so much city to city that it can actually like people, I, I, I love California, you know, I'm from the East coast, people make fun of it out here and I, and I understand why, um, you know, Paul, uh, I mean, Palm Springs where I mentioned, you know, I'm put a house for sale. They have figured out a way because it's a vacation community to keep outsiders out and without saying, without putting up a law saying, hey, if you're from out of town, you can't come here. They just said all Airbnb, all, all hotels, everyone are shut out till June 15th. So if you, are, if you don't own a residence in Palm Springs, where do you stay? So they've kept everybody out. And that has made, for example, my decision to put that house on the market now very tricky because it's a second home market. Uh, primarily. So who's going to look at it? Right. So are they even all yeah. They're like, no, you can't even come look at a house right now. Yeah. I mean, you can't stay anywhere. So like you have to live in Palm Springs to buy and that's not where most of the buyers come from. So, so it's very tricky. And it's also a, a great testament to real estate is a local business and, and understanding the basics of the national curves, like a, a, an interest rate is a national curve. A GDP is a national curve. You know, get some basic understanding. Arm yourself with that. We'll do that for you on this show. Um, and then dive deep into your local market and get some local statistics. Um, and that's why I, I do like, you know, these next charts. They're not, they're not super drilled down, but they are drilled down by state. And you can see, and this is very, very obvious stuff, but, you know, February right. buyer traffic. Uh, index, you know, how many, how many buyers are out there running around looking was massive everywhere in February, except for two states where, where they viewed it as stable. All the yeah. other states were strong. Yeah. So if you guys are listening out there, it's just a map of the, of the, of the nation. It says, Hey, you know, 40 in 48 of the states, February buyer traffic, there's a ton of people out there trying to buy as buyers. The, the next, it jumps into March and you could see in March, it's still, I mean, there's still 40 states on there that they're saying March buyer traffic strong, and then maybe 10 that it says March buyer traffic stable. Yeah. Um, and the mid, the Midwest is more stable, is more strong, right, on the strong side than, than, uh, than all, you know, than all the pieces on the coast, even Florida, Texas, Louisiana, California, Nevada, New York are all dropped from strong to stable. And we, this is, this is to be expected, but it's interesting to see it graphically. 
Right. So the so I think the first two charts what they were trying to say here is in February and March there's still a lot of people trying to buy houses. So even though it's down a little bit, still stable. So the right. that's really a comparison of that to uh, inventory. It's really trying to say, hey, what's right. out there as far as what will happen with the housing market? Now it shows a chart for February, and this is the seller traffic index, which I think is just rated on how many people are out selling their houses. And in February, in two states there was strong traffic. In about 15, 10, 15 states, there was stable traffic, but but the rest of the states was weak. So not a whole lot of new listings were coming on in February. In February, I think everybody knows there was a shortage of uh, inventory, right? So I mean, that was everyone's biggest complaint was there was a shortage right. of inventory. Absolutely. Yep. And then, then you jump into March and the, and this is where the two worlds are, 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 are really different, right? So the March buyer traffic was, hey, it's strong in 40 states, stable in 10. Uh, the March seller traffic was it saying new listings are coming on the market in Alaska, but everywhere else, except for three states, you know, this is like Louisiana, Wyoming, and, and Virginia. Uh, in those places, it's stable March seller traffic no strong traffic and the rest of the, the rest of the states it's weak which means there isn't very much new stuff coming on that's but correct. there is still a a stable demand for buyers so the how did how does that make you feel about the market you know i again i look to i look to how realtors could use these could use these charts and that's the biggest reason why uh, you know, I, I pulled this from a presentation that I saw. Now they are—they do. It does come from NAR, so I wasn't—I wasn't too worried about it. The stats and the charts come from National Association of Realtors, so it's a—it's a—it's a good source. But it just tells me that you know, I think you can give great advice to buyers and sellers using those charts because if you're a buyer right now, well, certainly if you're a seller, right, it makes sense to hey, you know what? There's still time. Get this thing on the market. You may not get the exact dollar that you were getting before, but in areas that were hot, you know, it's very anecdotal. It's like one, you know, one, the story of one house, right? But, but in, in one of our areas in LA that was very hot, it's also a little bit lower, uh, lower price relative to other things, you know, a gentrifying area. We had, we had one house that went out on the market. It was pretty aggressively priced, sort of 10%, 15% lower than where it would have been pre-COVID, and they had 40 offers, um, which is insane. And they, you know, and they're closing that house at you know every bit because it went over ask every bit as much as they would have pre-COVID. So it was it was uh, it was a smart seller and a smart realtor got together and said, hey, that's that's market this in a way that's going to get attention. You get all that attention, and then you get multiples. It's really creating the market like it was before. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you make your stuff set aside and the, uh, and how do you stand out and the, and you could start standing out by just, just reaching out, be the first people they see the, you know, a few other news, news pieces that I think are great. I think last a couple weeks ago, I talked about, you know, they, in, in Mississippi, they had made it to where notary publics could appear over video conference. And so the, on April 27th, so the governor Greg Abbott of Texas temporarily suspended section 121.006 C of the Texas civil practice remedies code allowing for appearance before a notary public via video conference to acknowledge real estate instruments such as mortgages. That's like, uh, that's one of the exciting things I hope that we're going to see more of in this. So that is saying that now someone can actually sign docs on a house and the, and I, you know, as I get into this, so that says documents such as mortgages, there's a lot of stuff in that law. If you're in Texas, start to look at it. But I think what that means is somebody can, the title company can send them out their documents. They can get on a zoom call like this. 
They can sign those documents, FedEx them back to the title company. The title company can notarize them and send them off. Like the, that is a cool technology change. Now it does not say it's going to stay forever, but you know, as well as I do that stuff that happens in crisis, it shows people like, Hey, we did that and nothing went wrong. Why don't we continue that innovation? So we'll see in other states and listeners, if you know, if you, if you're in other states where they have made things like that, uh, change, like, let us know, you know, put it in comments on this, send us emails at the show mm-hmm. or find us on social media. I'd love to know how many states out there. You don't have to go to a notary public anymore. The, or, mm-hmm. or where a notary public can do it over a video call. It's going to change everything. And a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot, and a lot of, in, even in California where, where the governor said, hey, real estate is essential. And then the mayor came out and said, you can't even show houses, trying to restrict it dramatically. And forget about the politics or the health piece of that, which sometimes we talk about. You know, one of the workarounds that our people found immediately was if you open escrow, it then becomes essential business. So, yeah. you know, there you have it, right? And that is uh, uh, open escrow, then you can do anything. You can, you can walk through the house, you can do whatever it takes to close the escrow. So that was part of the uh, workaround for sure. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, right? So they're saying, no, you can't show the house if you're an escrow, now it's essential. So the, there's a few more articles I wanna talk about and, the, and some news that kind of hit my inbox that I wanted to share. And these are probably, so I think we had some, some good stuff, some average news. And this is what I would say kind of you know, negative market news that's out there. Um, so, you know, the, the first one said, you know, Remax quarterly earnings report was down uh, and they, you know, they had to adjust their earnings per share and it fell slightly below what they were hoping. They said their highlighting was momentum, unfortunately interrupted by the virus you know, as they issue those reports. Now, I think that's a, that's a duh. The only, the only maybe change in that is, you know, th- most of this started first week of March, right? Mm-hmm. And the, and by then kind of what we talked about, any March closings you were going to get for people that were already in escrow in February. And mm-hmm. so I think, I think second quarter earnings, you could blame a lot on the virus. First quarter earnings, blaming on the virus. I don't, quite, I don't know how many people canceled as soon as they went on shelter in place. I think most of the people that had started their escrows before finished their escrows. So, the, that, so that was one of the news pieces in there that if people want to see that, that's on Inman. That just came out a couple days ago. Bigger piece of news. So yesterday I got an email from Airbnb. So I'm a super host on Airbnb. You guys have heard me talk about it. It's a, a special place in my heart out there. And they made an announcement that they had to lay off 1,900 of their 7,500 employees. So if you do the calculation, that's 25.01% of their employees. So Airbnb lays off 25% of their employees. And they said, you know, they also know things are going to look a little different. So they're going to be a more focused company now. So they were getting into transportation and Airbnb studios and investing in hotels and luxury and stuff like that. And, And so they're saying, hey, we're going to be more focused now. And so the, but that's also like a duh, right? So yes, I'm not surprised they had to do layoffs. Um, I'm not surprised they're becoming more focused on the things that made them a big company. I think that's what so many companies are going to do right now, right? They're going to get so focused remembering what got them there. Cause over the last couple of years, the market's so good. People start expanding and investing money all over the place because you've got all these profits to shoot around. The interesting part about that, this, that I thought was just crazy was they, it's this long letter that they sent out but they said, you know, here's what we're going to do for severance. So employees in the U.S. will receive 14 weeks of base pay plus one additional week for every year at Airbnb. Tenor will be rounded to the nearest year. For example, if someone's been at Airbnb for three years and seven months, they're going to get an, an extra four weeks of salary. So they're going to get 18 weeks of total pay 
Plus, we're dropping the one-year cliff on equity. So everyone they've hired in the past year is going to leave with some shareholder equity. Uh, that you know They used to have some vesting for that. Additionally, everyone leaving is eligible for the May, May 25th vesting date. Healthcare, they're going to pay everybody's COBRA costs for 12 months. You know, and they're going to help people get rehired. They're going to set up a website to get Airbnb people hired and replaced somewhere else. So Airbnb is doing a ton of things for the people that they're laying off, way more than they need to, way more than I think any business has done so far. The part that I think is, so most of that you could say that's good news. That's actually like, you know, giving somebody four and a half months pay, five months pay and getting them a new job and everything else. Like, wow, like how grateful those people are going to be that they worked at a company like Airbnb. The other side of this that scares me a little bit is they're giving away four to five months paid severance. And part of me says, hey, if you thought, if they thought this was going to be a V-shaped recovery, mm -hmm. they would just have people work for the next four or five months building out new things and like redoing stuff. Like why? Like that's a lot. I think in general, when people pay multi-month severances, they're thinking it's going to take about twice as much to get that back. So, hey, if they're going to, so that kind of means, so they think five months from now, it's not going to be much better. Or they would have just kept everybody going and not paid them so much of a severance. What do you what do you think? Do you see that? Am I wrong? Do you see it a different way? The uh, you know, am I am I reading between the lines too much on that? Well, one of the things that 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 I find you know really really interesting is there. It's it's not. It's almost like it's it's doesn't sound like an economically sound decision. So um, you know, cutting costs right now is super important. And I'm gonna Aaron. I'm gonna ask you a dumb question. That is, is Airbnb publicly traded? I know that I know that they that last year they intended to become publicly traded, and I don't know whether they ever did it or not. The I I don't think so. The so I will okay. definitely get you that. So there. Okay. So they they closed a billion in funding two years ago. So wow. they okay. they were they were a candidate for a 2018 IPO, but they are still a private company. So yeah, so they're they're not right. publicly traded. But I mean, right. you've got a billion dollar investment. That's a uh -huh. That's a big. That's a. That's a big investment group. Oh yeah, and and so when I see these decisions that seem non-economic, because on one hand I would tell every business owner, including realtors, like cut absolutely uh, as deeply as you can, okay, and and do it to the point where it's not really structurally hurting your business so long as that's not necessary, and and uh, and that's what you need. You got to do what you can to survive, because if you survive this, you will come out stronger because just by virtue of not everybody will survive, it will get back to normal eventually, right? Just do the math. If 25% mm -hmm. of the realtors leave the business and you're not one of the 25%, okay, there's going to be just as many deals going around a smaller pool. So this is what happened to my company, 2008, and that L-shaped curve, which was so painful, uh, I would not have wanted it, but that's, it was after that that we went to number one. Now in this very frothy upturn, you get companies that are, that are funded by uh, venture capital. They don't have to make a real profit, so they can make deals with my agents that don't make sense for real people, like real people that face real economies. So um, when I look at a decision like that, that's what immediately made me think, you know, wow, I knew, in, I knew as late as 2019, they were still talking about a 2020 uh, going IPO. And so this sounds more like a decision that's made by a company that's making non-economic decisions. So I don't think that they're saying, because even when you say like, wow, that worries me because if they really thought it was a V, they just keep the people on. Well, 
even if they thought it wasn't a V, it still wouldn't make sense to pay them that much severance. So it's like if you and I were CEO of Airbnb, we go, hey, we got to cut costs. Okay, great. That's cut costs. We can't afford to pay this giant severance. So we either yeah. keep them or we don't. And if we're not sure, then how about we keep them one month and then look at it again, right? It only makes sense uh, rather than pay somebody four months uh, uh, severance. And, I, you know, and I look, I'm not being cold hearted to, to the great people that got laid off from Airbnb and were the benefactors of this. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I'm just saying it's not an economic decision. It's not one that I would look at in a way as a market predictor, anything other than to look internally to them and say, hey, what's the deal, right? And that brings us to, uh, to another news story, which, which you and I talked about as well. And that was that Realogy did this deal with Amazon. Yeah. And uh, when they did the deal with Amazon, you know, uh, they, really, they really pumped it. And, and I looked at Realogy, and sorry, Realogy is the parent company of Colwell Banker, Century 21, Sotheby's, ERA, um, Corcoran Group, so many, so many uh, different brokerages. And they did it, you know, they, I think they, they've been on a slow decline forever and they really haven't shown a way to adapt to the market. You as a realtor don't want to be, and look, Cole, I'm not, we're brand neutral. I'm not saying bad about Colwell Banker or Sotheby's, Sotheby's right. a great luxury brand, all good. You don't want your business to have uh, no no view to the future, right? Because that's where the market is like, oh, well, Realogy's on this sort of downhill slide forever, and we just don't see a way out for them. And so they are dramatically undervalued. And when they did this deal with Amazon, you know, as being a competitor of theirs in the market, I went, oh my gosh, that's, that makes me nervous, you know? Right, Amazon's <laughs> huge. Here's this, here's this superpower that's asleep at the wheel, Realogy. Um, and, you know, now they're getting into business with a superpower, Amazon, that's not asleep at the wheel. Um, and it makes good news. And they got a big stock bump after that happened. Huge stock bump after that. I didn't even know what the deal was. I don't think the market knew what the deal was. Okay, but huge stock bump. Makes sense for Amazon too, because they can get all of their smart home technology into homes. The more saturation they have, like to me, I'm like, oh, this deal makes sense all the way around. Uh, and it scares me. Now for them to say, Hey, we're out. Uh, and what happened in their deal was they had a they had they had like any like any you know any huge business deal. They don't go all in on a marriage. Like one day you're married, one day you're not married. Now yeah. you're married, right? They go, okay, well, let's do a let's do an engagement, right? So so they're engaged. They're they're doing this business together, and it included a five thousand dollar credit. So if you sold a house through Realogy, you get a five thousand dollar credit on Amazon for certain products. That includes the in-home smart technology. It includes some, you know, people will come in and assemble furniture, blah, blah, blah. It's a great, it's a great program as far as I can tell. And now they get into it and now they get to a point where the either side can look at it and go like, ah, oh, it's not working out the way that we wanted to. Uh, that's not move forward. And the CEO of, of Realogy uh, said that, that COVID-19, quote, eviscerated, eviscerated the value of that deal. And, I, and, and he was talking about in the, in the course of cost-cutting measures. So what I think happened is, as, as Cole, and this is speculation, uh, as, as, as Realogy was looking at cutting all these costs, this was a program that was costing them money. So every time uh, they sold a house and they gave a $5,000 Amazon credit, yes, I'm sure they got a deep discount on that, but it wasn't free. So they were then closing a house, writing a check to Amazon. They're like, hey, we can't afford this. So right. 
they pulled the trigger, they pulled out of it. That's what I see. And I, and I, and I, you know, I, I'm not the, you know, I, I don't have all the inside details, but it, 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 that's the sort of thing. It sounds like I understand cutting a bunch of costs. That was a cost that looked like it was, it was partnering them, you know, two, two Goliaths together. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why it hit, that's is why it hit news because the, it was a big change. I mean, so they started that about a year ago. So it was July, 2019. They were like, Hey, we're working together now. Amazon was like, we want to get into real estate. They wanted to be a lead provider. Like Zillow is really a lead provider, right? Like they give people the info and then it's a way that they can, you know, so they, they get people real estate leads. And so Amazon wanted to get into the lead provider business. Realtor.com is the lead provider business too. The, and they had those little, little partnerships. And I think probably like you can buy like a log home on Amazon now. Right. And I don't know how much of, so I don't know how much of their long-term plan that went into it, but yes, as they were going into cutting costs, they said they are no longer going to have that partnership. So yes, something at the beginning, maybe they said that we're going to try this for a year and COVID could be the, uh, the reason that they said, Hey, it's not working out. It could be the excuse or it could be like, no, it was amplified because of that. That is a, a change, you know, another, another lead provider. So realtor.com says operator, realtor.com operator move announces layoffs. So source close the company told Inman more than a hundred employees across move. The owner of realtor.com were laid off on Tuesday. Uh, so, uh, the, so that was Tuesday this week, hundred people laid off the, uh, you know, under 20% of the company's approximately 1400 employees. A lot of those employees are in Austin. So the, it comes in the wake of a leadership reshuffle with elevated two founders of op city. So op city was a, was a company that was founded in Austin where people would, they would call people and say, Hey, do you want to sell your house? If somebody said, yes, realtor could buy that lead. And they, and they shared that they were buying the leads from realtor.com, sending them out to the agents and realtor.com eventually bought them. And now those people that were part of the small op city business are some of the guys that are said, it said, you know, Ben Rubenstein, the was, elevated to chief revenue officer and Michael Lamb to the newly created role of chief operations officer. So those were guys that were at the op city. So I'm out in Austin. I know that's a big part of it, but the a hundred, a hundred employees getting laid off. So the not, it, it says, but under 20% of the, Oh, more than a hundred under 20%. So we don't know what the number is between hundred and two eighty or something like that. Yeah. You know, we're just seeing it. It's, it's, it's uh, we're seeing it all around. You yeah. know, I, I, I watched this amazing, you, you know, I got to tell you, uh, in addition to being in touch with a lot more people, uh, a lot of the time, my intention is like 2008 uh, to come out of this stronger. It, it, in 2008, because it was that L-shaped recovery, uh, we had a lot of time to sit on our bums and figure it out. And, and when we decided to get ourselves up and dust, dust ourselves off and get into action, we had a lot of time to do that because it was that L shape. So everybody was still suffering in the real estate sales business. So You're right. I'm like, yeah. Oh, Hey, let me get my act together. And eventually I got my act together and other, other people didn't. Now I definitely had the help of, of our company, uh, you know, our, our franchise or helping us lead that, but they're saying, Hey, dust yourself off. Let's go. And now being a leader, leader in that group, I'm looking at this, at this V shape. I'm saying, Hey, you know what? We have the same opportunity this time, but we got to act now. And now is the time to get smart and get moving. So if anything, you know, one of the things I'm doing is talking to so many people every single day. Uh, I'm learning from, I, I learn a tremendous amount from this state of the market podcast. I guarantee it. I learn, I learn because uh, yeah. Aaron knows stuff that I don't know. And then I'm doing research prior to this call and advance this call every single time. So 
it, it's forcing me right to to stay on top of things, which is phenomenal. And I, I listened to a, uh, a uh, an interview with a guy named Keith Cunningham, who would be another guy that we'll 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 chase after to to be a guest on this show. And Keith Cunningham was the was the rich dad. Okay, right. he's the you know for rich dad poor dad. Sorry, rich dad poor dad. Robert Kiyosaki's sort of seminal book on wealth building. He was the guy. It's a parable, right? So as we were talking about before, maybe uh, you know maybe the poor dad wasn't as bad as they said in the in the parable. Right. Um, you know, but the, and maybe the rich dad wasn't as good, but this guy, Keith Cunningham was the guy that they modeled it after. He has a book called the road, less stupid, which I think is a hilarious title, yeah. uh, the road, less stupid. Um, and, and one of the, and here's what he says. Um, and I said it before, but I didn't attribute it to him. And number one is to survive, right? So we've got to, we've got to cut dramatically right now so we can stay alive then, then, then stabilize. And state, what stabilizing is, is looking at your dramatically reduced income and making sure that your costs have come all the way down so that effectively your burn rate is zero, okay? And if you can survive, then stabilize, you will absolutely, I promise you, you will thrive. Come through this, uh, come through this stronger, better, uh, even equal to when you went into it, and you buy by definition will be stronger because a lot of your competitors will drop out of the market. Use this time right now to educate yourself, become the local, become a national expert of sorts, stay away from the conspiracy theories, stay with the big news, right? And, and some of the stuff that we provide here and then get, dig down deep in your local area and make sure you do those I care calls. I'm every time, sorry, every time we do stay of the market because yeah. I know it's going to help the people that watch this on YouTube and listen to us on the podcast, reaching out, pick a number. Okay. I do 30 a day. All right. And I track it. So sometimes, Oh, you know, Hey, it was my birthday the other day. You know, I didn't do any, right. Okay. Now I have 60, right. So I'm making sure that I'm hitting 30 a day per business day. And that's a good tracker. Make it, make it accountable, pick a specific goal, hold it accountable, have at it. You will end up stronger at the end of this. I really believe it. Yeah. What, I think a great point that you just made within that, right, is it is, I remember the crash in 07, 08. I remember being a home builder and getting a huge pay cut. I, was, I got a 70% pay cut and my wife went back to work as a waitress, right? And we had a baby and, I, and she would work nights and, I, and I'd get home from work, she'd hand me the baby and then she'd go work at the casino as a waitress at night. Like I remember that time and we didn't have, we were just scrambling for ideas. We weren't able to pivot. And I think a lot of people back in you know, the crisis back in 07, 08, 09, everybody was like, what do we do? What do we do? Right now, there's a lot of people. The world is different. There's more technology. There's more everything. There's more news. People are pivoting quicker. Mm-hmm. People are pivoting way, way quicker. So all the, the news things that we're seeing, like people are hitting the ground running. There aren't very many people that are saying, hey, I'm just going sh- to wait this out. And in six months, I'll get back to work. Every week, somebody's going, let's try a new business plan. Let's try this. You know, the restaurants aren't saying, hey, let's, let's just wait. They're saying, let's pivot. Let's create drive-throughs out there. Mm-hmm. So, the, so yes, take the action to do it. And also just realize it's not like if, if you sit and wait, like, a lot, like in 2009, 2008, we could sit and wait because nothing was happening for a long time. There, nothing was working. Right now, something is working out there. And so you got to be quick with it. So rock stars, thanks for listening today. The, you know, Paul and I, we love getting to talk to each other and to be able to dig into these. And like Paul said, him and I both, we learn a bunch every time and we want to hear more from you guys. 
If you like this show, please share it. You know, let people know that it's out there. Uh, help them hear more about it. You can find us on Instagram. We've got at RE Rockstars. You can find Real Estate Rockstars on YouTube and Facebook. You can find Paul. It's at, it's at, at Paul Mark Morris. Is that right? Yeah, M-A-R-K, at Paul Mark Morris. Uh, and you'll find me on Instagram and Facebook that way. Uh, I put a bunch of stuff up on my YouTube channel. Uh, just just put it up, and I think just hashtag, hashtag Paul Morris uh, will help you. I did a CPA interview, which is uh, Paul Morris, how the second stimulus package impacts real estate agents. So yeah. that, that YouTube is available as well. That'll direct you to some of our, our YouTube stuff. And, and make sure, you know, hit us, with, uh, hit us with questions in the comment box. Aaron and I look at it. Uh, we really pivot what we do to make sure that we're providing the, the uh, resources that our, that our listeners want to hear. So yeah, really appreciate the positive, tons of positive responses. We really, really appreciate it. And, you know, like Pat always used to say, you know, feedback is the breakfast of champions. You know, yeah, give me a review. Give me a lousy review. Pat used to say that. I don't, I don't have the kind of uh, uh, balls that Pat has to say, give me a lousy review. But, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, if you got a great, this is what I say. If you got a great review, give us a great review. And if you have any feedback, really, I promise you, we take it very seriously. Yeah, he, Pat would he, would, he would dare people for that. And we get those too. We get mostly great reviews and we get some of the bad reviews, but no matter what, we're going to take your reviews. We're going to take them to heart and we're going to try to give you guys the best show we possibly can. Paul, thanks for joining us today. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Bye, everybody. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings, and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million-dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get, so please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also... Listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.